Hey everybody, Danny Cage here for It's the Journey with Danny Cage. My next guest coming up is Zach Cooperstein. Uh, great guy. Uh, I'll break down when we met and how we met during the show, but just a super talented cinematographer and just one of the coolest guys and just has one of the greatest vibes uh, and so understanding and so awesome. He drove all the way from New York just to come do this in studio. And when he got here, there was audio issues and we both were troubleshooting and working on it for about an hour. Uh, and then we just wound up recording it off my phone. So apologies if it's, uh, issues with the audio as a plane is going overhead right now. So there's probably issues with this audio as well, but enjoy episode two and thank you so much. Just letting everybody know this is episode two, and of course, we've already been hit with audio and video issues, so uh, hopefully this turns out well, but we're not running with the same system we had before. So, Zach, now that we're, you're here, tell everybody how we met. Well, first of all, I got to say, thank you so much for having me, and it's been fun to actually try to problem solve these audio and video <laughs> issues with you. So You didn't see me lose my temper once, though, did you? Not at all, not at all. You only said fuck like twice, so it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Um, how did we meet? Let's see. So we met shooting the Monster Factory documentary, um, and I, I remember meeting you at the restaurant, but I can't remember the name of it. Yes, that. it was Cinder Bar. That's what Cinder I was, Bar, that's the one. That's what I was explaining to Jeremiah. So, like... You didn't start start on the show, right? Yeah, that's right. So uh, Jeremiah sort of hit on how that works, and and I'll do a little recap for our yeah. audience so they have a better understanding of how I got on the show. Um, and basically, they had done the short film first, and that was William's project, right? Yeah, that was William um, Tuck and um, I don't know who else was. I feel I, I'm so bad with that. Yeah, <laughs> number okay. one, I'm horrible with names, but number two, like the whole process of like everybody on board and when they came on board and all. Yeah, because like I didn't know when Janie came on board, and then they were saying like she was on board early, and then I was so like I'm lost on all this. <laughs> like I like when yeah. it comes to wrestling, I, I I pretty much got the pecking order, but when it comes to this entertainment stuff, not so much. Yeah, no, it's all good. So the uh, they did the short film, and then that went to Jeremiah and uh, public record folks to and through Apple and through Vox, I think, to try to uh, right. put on a little bit more of a thing, and then they did the sizzle reel, I believe, right? Yes. So the sizzle reel that was, was being filmed during the pandemic, right? And I was also not involved in that. Um, okay. and then when they were like, okay, we're, the sizzle reel is great. We're, we're going to green light the whole show. That's when they, they reached out to me and that's when I started on the project in earnest. So okay. that at the beginning of like, we're going to do the show, but they had already filmed a lot. And right. especially with Mimi, because she disappeared after a couple of weeks yeah. of us actually starting the show, yeah. they had to use a lot of the footage from the sizzle reel shoot yes. in the actual, uh, in the show. Yeah. Like so, the one where it talks about sawing her coaches more than she saw her, yeah. her parents. That was the footage from the sizzle reel. Cause I had my hair in my ponytail. Exactly. Then. Exactly. And there were interviews and, and things with you and other uh, wrestlers that yep. ended up get, you know, we needed the audio from, or we reshot part parts of that. Yes. Because we wanted it in in our different interview setup, I, and I knew that was going to happen with Mimi right off the bat. Like I, I said it right when it started. I said, "Guys, like she's going to get probably signed before the show's done. So like whatever interviews you need, you need to get them now." I was like, "Because once you're in that machine of WWE, like there's no getting interviews. There's yeah. no interviewing parents. There's no interviewing anything. So like, yeah, we got what we got, and that was good. Yeah." 
Um, now, when you came on board, were you a wrestling fan prior? Were you a, as everyone always says, I was a wrestling fan when I was a kid, which I, I kind of take two ways. Like, it's kind <laughs> of like an insult, but it's kind of also like, if I said like, hey, did you see the yeah. new Iron Man? You wouldn't go. I only watched comic book movies when I was a kid. Right, no, I don't. Right. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was never a wrestling fan. I knew nothing about wrestling. I, I was like. Uh, I think I made the mistake uh, early on talking to the wrestlers. I was like, uh, okay, so when you're talking, like, pr- let's pretend this is like we're professional, you know, we're doing the pro. And they're like, this is this is pro. Like, we're not amateurs. Yes, and yes. I was like, right. And I need to kind of yeah. make this you but know, that's a, the thing. But, lingo but, but, but also, like, that's how silly we all are. Like, that's why I thought it was, like, so eye-opening working on this project with, like, you guys and all is because, like, I remember you guys saying, like, I don't know who it was, but they're like, uh, so Mimi's getting an audition instead of a tryout. Right, right. We call it a tryout. You guys would call it audition. We call it wrestling gear. Yeah. You guys would call it a costume. Right. Which you guys are completely correct. It is a costume <laughs> and it is an audition. You know what I mean? No, like, you got to have your lingo. That's it. But, but, but at the same time, it's it's like the lingo that is like, it's not needed. For example, it's not action figures. Mm-hmm. It's dolls. Mm-hmm. They're right. dolls. Right, right. Good They're point. dolls. Good the, point. They yeah. only called it dolls. Yeah. I mean, they only called it action figures because yeah. parents were embarrassed to say they're buying their kid, their boy, a right. doll. And that's all marketing. Right? right. And, you know, and it's putting on the show. And I think like a huge part of wrestling, what I realized is that it, it is, it's a show. Right. right. And, uh, and part of putting on that show is pretending like it's, it's sports or, athletic, you know, it's very athletic, I think, but like it's a sport, yes. which is very different and from I being think, athletic. And, right? and like, I think what, what, what pro wrestling runs into, which other entertainment doesn't run into is for some reason people think like we're, we're theater. Yeah. But for some reason, they think they have to act like real, legitimate, tough guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's not real. Yeah. Like, it's not. Yeah. and But that's kind of a, a beautiful, interesting thing about it as a, as a media, because it's like the, uh, the performance continues in yes, real life. But, but, then, but then that also is the confusing part, and I think the part that holds us back. Yes. Because no one can take us seriously. Right. Because they don't know who they're talking to. So, right. of course, they're going to tongue-in-cheek everything. They say, and you know what I mean? It's, just, it, it's, it's, I think it's holding us back. Uh, Cause I was watching, um, I think the Philadelphia Eagles maybe had like some of the WWE people there mm-hmm. and like the, 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 the interviewers, like not even taking them seriously. You yeah. can tell he's like, Oh, Ooh, Ooh. And like doing the fake punches and kicks. And I'm like, man, if he would just like talk, they could, yeah. they could, Learned so much, and but I also think other other uh, performance uh, mediums could really learn a lot from oh, wrestling. Yeah. And like I w- I've been saying it actually a lot recently. I went to this uh, sheep and wolf festival over the weekend, yeah. which was uh, surprisingly awesome. <laughs> and they had a uh, a show of sheep, sort of like a dog show, right? Um, where they're like parading around the sheep, and there's a guy like touching them and judging them, being like, "That's Did they have entrance sheep. music? Not at all." <laughs> and I was like, "This needs to be more like wrestling. <laughs> yes, there should. This guy should be putting on a show and explain." You know, really like, and here, you know, in this corner and, and hyping all the sheep and well, all that, but there's nothing. But that's what I, <laughs> that's why I love was like how certain entertainment has taken things. But yeah. I mean, like, to be honest, all pro wrestling did was take honestly from like movies. Mm, you know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah. like people would have kind of like music that made you feel that mood. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. kind of cued what you were going to feel when something happened. And I think that's what pro wrestling does great. And now you see like baseball players having entrances yeah. music and stuff like that. And yeah, like, I always, uh, I've seen like go to the Cyclone, the Brooklyn Cyclones. Yeah. Minor, minor league baseball minor games league. are the best. Oh my God. But that's so much fun. And here's what's awesome. When you watch that, and I'm glad you brought that up, if you watch minor league baseball, that is so entertaining. Yeah. And, like, a lot of it has nothing to do with baseball. Not at all. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Same thing for indie pro wrestling, mm-hmm. but what will happen with indie pro wrestling when people go over the top and try to get attention and try to do business, mm-hmm. the old school veterans and the minds in wrestling will be like, you're killing the business. That's not what pro wrestling is. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Nobody's saying that about baseball. Yeah. Because yeah. you know why? It's real and people just know that it's real. Mm-hmm. Pro wrestling's not real, so everyone has to keep thumping their chest. Yeah. Saying like, no, it is, it's this, it's that, it's this. And yeah. it, and it, and I think it hinders us. Yeah. Like I wish we could get away with the stuff that you know, minor league baseball. That looks so fun. Yeah. Like yeah. going up the plate and doing a dance routine and the umpires in on it and this and that. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't change the like game. And there's like an MC and an entertainer in between yeah. the innings, and like yeah, it doesn't change the game. It's all, still yeah. the you're still playing twenty seven outs. You're still you know yeah. I I love shit like that. Yeah, it's fantastic. I think going into working on the show, I had an impression of wrestling that uh, I tried to just explore it a little bit. Once I got the job, I was like, let me just find out about this. Right. I watched some some wrestling videos on YouTube, and I was like, okay, like what is the deal with this industry? And sport, and you know why? Why do people like this? And I, I, my impression was that it's, um, it's like theater, and it's like uh, the drama, it's storytelling, right? But it's not quite as as well written as drama in right. theater or movie. And it's also violence, which is exciting in its own way. But it's not quite as good violence as like uh, UFC or or right. actual fighting. But it is interesting that you split the difference. So I was a little turned off to it because I thought it wasn't really hitting mm-hmm. on either of those notes very well. But by the end of it, I realized that the thing that wrestling excels in is it's a participatory experience. It's as an audience member, you can be involved. It's, you're part of it. And the whole thing is for the audience. Right. And then once I realized that, and and finally, after shooting the show, I got to be in an audience right. that came to a Christmas show. Yes, there. that was that so was cool. A, an unbelievable experience. And it was because I, I could let loose as an audience member and participate in, in the show itself. That's why, like, when I watched I watch wrestling and I see, like, the story unfold, I just think it's so amazing because I look at it and I'm like, imagine how hard Rocky would be. Mm-hmm. No dialogue. Yeah. And all you had was the fights to mm. tell the story. Oh, wow, yeah. Would it be that much of right. a story? Right, you don't but get But that's what we do with pro wrestling. We maybe yeah. get... A minute of dialogue mm-hmm. and 99 minutes of the action. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, like, that's where I look at pro wrestlers and, and, and others in the industry, and I'm just like, this is why I think, like, once people conquer this, like, you see people accelerate other places. Like, you saw John Cena go do other things, Rock go to other places, Batista go other places. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's what's so great about wrestling is that it prepares you for other things. The only thing that I think is holding wrestling back is, as I told you, the whole letting go of the past. Mm-hmm. We have this mantra and everybody says it, and I used to say it too. They go, oh, in pro wrestling, it should be you, but on 11. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah, and I don't like that because really? like, yeah, because like, here's the thing. 
what happens if you go somewhere and they're like, no, here's what we want you to do. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, your ego's hit because they're saying, I don't want you. Mm, right. And it also, it's it's hindering you because uh, wouldn't you want to be like, hey, I want to take as many roles as possible and wide a range as possible. Yeah. And again, this is also what's holding us back is you can't do that because once you you can't really blur the lines and it's like, I'm this character all the time. Yeah. How are you ever going to be a true heel? Right. Because yeah. you're going to get canceled. Yeah, exactly. You were saying that when you're talking yeah. about Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it's... that's what's holding us back. Like, yeah. literally any discussion that happens where anyone does something. Like, I saw someone call somebody, they're from England, and they called somebody a cow, which is completely different than what it is here. Mm. But, like, she was getting canceled mm. for calling her opponent a cow. Oh, okay. Interesting. But, like, she's, but she's a heel. she's playing the heel, yeah. So, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. You can't. So, like, I just don't think it's healthy. And especially right. when they talk about Heath Ledger like being driven over the edge supposedly because playing that character and being in that character all the time. Mm-hmm. Imagine a, a, a pro wrestler doing it for 10 to 15 oh years. Oh my God, yeah, that's horrible, right. It's torturous. So like, that's yeah. why I'm saying like, I just don't think it's... Yeah. And you're, not getting, and you're not getting like the good stories. Like the things I love, and it was so hilarious. Right now there's podcasts everywhere mm-hmm. talking about wrestling from like 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. And all the backstage stuff and the gossip and the, and this, what was going on. And then during this match, this happened and you're learning like all the inside the numbers and you're like, Oh my God, these stories are great, but we have to wait 30 years. Why why couldn't couldn't we just put in the front center? Yeah. Yeah. Why can't we just be talking about that now? Like, like when, like, uh, I remember sons of anarchy and, and, and the walking dead and all that, like they would have shows wrapping up and they would talk about what you just saw. Right. They didn't have the characters coming on as zombies. Right. They didn't have them coming on being like, I can't, I got, I just got bit, so I have to leave. Yeah. They were just, no, here's what we did in this scene. Yeah. And that's what wrestling is missing because then. Do you like that stuff though? When you I watch love TV show? it. Really? Okay. Afterwards, yeah, because you know it. Yeah. You're, be, you're there. Right. What intrigues me is I love to know, like, okay, cool, you told me that story, but how did you tell me the story? And what was what was the the elements that made the story? And was there anything altered? And you know, is it serendipity, or is it, or you know, or was there a plan to this? Yeah, you're talking just about behind the scenes. In yes, yeah, yeah. Like I, I love to, I, I love the knowing of that, and like, and like, for example, what movie was it? Um, like, I think Christian Bale or something got hurt during the filming of Batman or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like I love knowing that because then I will watch the movie and I see like the little intricate thing. Happened, yeah, yeah, and I'm like, oh, is that where? Yeah. Or like for example, the, the darkest, the darkest, like when Brandon Lee died. Yeah. yeah. And like they, they they let you know like, hey, we had to redo this scene, we had to redo that scene. I'm right. like, oh my god, now I appreciate the genius of yeah. filmmaking and all. But if you never do any of that stuff and they never told you any of that yeah. stuff, you just go, oh, great, a movie. No, that's great. I love the anecdotal aspect of that and it, and like the behind the truly behind yes. the scenes part. But so often that those like press moments right at where, where you're watching a TV show and then they have the actors tell you about the scene. They're like, here's what happened in the show. Right. You just saw. And my character was thinking this. And yeah. It's like. That doesn't tell me, give me yeah. any insight about the yeah. making of this. This yeah. isn't behind the scenes. Yeah. This is just, oh, I just saw this scene. Let me tell you what happened in the yeah, scene. Yeah, but see, like, I... That I, doesn't I, help. I don't like that. But that I don't mind, though, because, like, sometimes, for example, like, you you, you play video games? A little bit, not okay. really. More board games. More board games. I'm a board game fanatic. All right, so, like, if you found out something, like, you couldn't figure out um, how to figure out one type of puzzle or whatever, mm-hmm. and, like... 
finally, finally, y- y- somebody like let you in on like the hint of it and all, and then yeah. you figure it out, and then it led you to figure other things yeah. out and figure yeah. other things. You know what I mean? So like, that's, that's when I don't mind it. Yeah, yeah. Like if that's it leads great. to you discovering new things, like I'm not a big spoiler person. Like I, but at the same, same time, if it happens, it happens. True. Yeah. Because like we all know what happens in our life. Yeah. We live. We die. We die at the end. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's everything, you know what I mean? Like, we all know what happened in Titanic. Right. The boat sinks. Yeah. We still watch the movie. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, so, like, we all know what happens during sex. Yeah. I'm going to finish. She's not. These are all... <laughs> these oh, are all things <laughs> for me and for her. But, like, these are all those things. But, like, I, lo- I love the spoiler alerts. I mean, I, I, I don't mind the spoiler alerts, but, like, when, like, I know, like, I like being um, not spoon-fed, but drop a breadcrumb here and mm, there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's true. When you're solving a puzzle right. and you get, like, just enough of a hint, yep. that's really satisfying. Like, so, like, yeah. but I don't want it over the top, like, oh, yeah. look at this hint. It has to be subtle, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and just peeking behind the curtain and knowing how things work or how things are done, like, that's that's exciting to me. And when like, you were, the process. When you were working on this, let me ask you this. Yeah. Did you think you were going to deal with a bunch of like toxic male douchebags? Be honest. I don't. I don't know. I don't think I formed any kind of you impression of, okay. of what the people would be. But like, like, were you thinking like, oh, I'm going to deal with jocks, and they're going to probably be this, this, or this? No, that's funny. I didn't think about that. I think I, my impression was more of the fans and uh, or the marks, as you call them, mm-hmm. and, and a certain level of like. Well, I don't call them that. Everybody else. Oh, does. okay. There you yeah, go. So yeah. the fans. Um, yes. I I don't. Uh, I th- I was like, are they really so dumb that they don't know that it's fake? Uh, like, th- well, that's, and that's yeah. you know, but they do know, and they're still fans. And now I'm still a fan, and I know it's fake. Yeah. And like, I I think that that was the thing I was most dubious of to begin with, more so than than the wrestlers and and you. You know, I yeah, was like, they, okay, like these are people putting on a show. I get that. The uh the thing like about the for example like the fake word people hate it like who are mm. wrestling veterans. Yeah. Because they're like, there's nothing fake. Like, the only people that say that are people that aren't tough. Right. Like, I don't care. Call it fake, call it whatever. Yeah. It doesn't bother me one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it's like, it's a magic show. And yeah. it's just like, I used to love watching magicians when I was a kid. Yeah. And knowing still, yeah, there's a trick to it. But I want to know what that trick is. Mm-hmm. And when it works on me, that's really satisfying. The, and it's the, like, so cool. The thing that is really, like getting us caught is the fans not being able to completely dive into it mm-hmm. because if they dive into it, then they are considered marks. What do you mean dive into it? Like, like completely act like it's real. Okay. Like when I'm watching a movie, yeah, I'll cry. I'll laugh. I believe everything that is happening. Yeah. Because I know they're not trying to make me think it's real. Mm, and right. you know what I mean? They're saying, hey, we are actors. When they go out on the press, they're going to go, hey, I played this role. Yeah. Hey, this was my direction. This was this. In pro wrestling, when they're done, they still hate each other and still talk shit on the internet to each other. Right. So I think like people aren't being able to like dive in because they think like, if I say like, yeah, this was awesome, they're going to go, you know, it's not real. Mm, They'll right. never say that with a movie. Right. <laughs> you know what True. I mean? Yeah. And I just think that is what's holding us back. And I just think like we should How do you just get around em- that. How- I, I'm going to, I'm January 1st. I have something that I'm, ah. yeah, it's, it's 
I'll just throw it out right now. Yeah. It's it's a project monster factory, but like it's it's basically going to try to address that. Okay. Because I just think it's silly and it's put it this way, when Monster Factory started back in the eighties, mm-hmm. we were told we were gonna ruin the wrestling business and it's horrible. Why why was that? Like, because what? we were we were exposing wrestling to the public. Mm. Before there was no wrestling schools that would like just take people off oh, the street. I see. You had to know somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. Mm. Okay. And they would, would then beat you up, haze you, you know, do right. whatever, whatever. And, and that's, that's how you got into the wrestling business. And old timers trying yep. to keep their, yep. you know, it's gatekeeping. Yes. Right? That's how. Okay. And then Larry uh, hated that. Yeah. Um, and Larry also saw it as an opportunity to make money, but Larry literally hated it. Um, there's a wrestler, I don't know if you know about him, uh, Mr. USA Tony Atlas was a famous wrestler back in the day. Mm-hmm. Still around, still doing great, but he's considered Larry's first student mm-hmm. of the Monster Factory, okay. even though there was no Monster Factory at the time. It was right. like in the 70s. Gotcha. And Larry uh, was asked to help him, and Larry had found out that he was being abused by the people breaking him in because mm-hmm. this guy was a shooter. He was like, that means he's a legit badass. Like he was okay. a legit like state champion. What they were doing, though, is since these guys weren't badasses, they would just blow him up cardio-wise, like get him exhausted, uh, okay. and then get in the ring with him and beat the shit uh, out of him. Okay, gotcha. And then Larry heard about it, and Larry was a wrestler, amateur wrestler, too, and Larry took him under his wing and, and you know, taught him everything. Mm-hmm. So, like, once the wrestling school started and Larry started that, everybody pretty much loved it but hated it. Right, okay. The fans loved it because they could break into wrestling. Yeah. The ones that were protecting the business, quote unquote, protecting the business, hated it because now you gained access, you gave access to people that, you know, they're going to ruin wrestling and this and that. And, you know, it's just conservatism. Yeah, exactly. It's It's just the gatekeeping bullshit. And I think what I'm going to do now in January, hopefully, Mm -hmm. and I I know it's going to be met with a lot of, you know, people being pissed and all, but I don't care. Do it better than me. You know, Mm -hmm. I tell everybody, if you, if you got to like, Years ago, I told everybody we'd had the best wrestlers go. I'd be the best coach. Everyone said I was crazy. And, you know, they're still saying I'm crazy, even though I still am. Um, So, like, it's just basically uh, getting back to treating pro, not even getting back to. How about just getting to where we treat wrestling like it's playing a part in a movie, Mm -hmm. playing a character. Like, you're... Dan McDonald here, you're Danny Cage here. Mm-hmm. You know, you're Zach here, you're Mr. Dynamo, whatever here. Mm-hmm. And that's where it stops. And so how, how do you do that though? How do you We, like, we, actually... we have to recondition the fans. It's almost right. like making like a just so you know that, you know, kind of like how like, hey, don't have your phone on during the movie. Right, yeah. You shouldn't have to say that. Right. But if you don't say that, some asshole's gonna have it right. on. So one one way might be to have the the wrestlers play different characters in different shows. Well, we right? well we what well, we be... that's what we started doing with Factory Fridays. Oh. Factory Fridays started years ago. It was um, basically every Friday we would do a different theme. It's oh, a cool. video game, and we would have you be Super Mario versus Little Mac from yeah. you know and Sonic and this, and then we did action eighty movies. Cool. Then we were gonna do uh, boy bands. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so like <laughs> everybody great. could play different characters. Yeah, yeah, I love that. But I think it's, and I tried to do this with Larry like in 2011. I wanted to do it where uh, basically like before the show started, we introduced everybody. And when it, when it was over, everyone came out and basically did like a curtain call. 
Mm. Like, here's your, yeah. this is, you know, James Roberts is blah, blah, blah. And this is, th this person is this, and this person yeah. is that. And then explain to them like, hey, guys and girls, I know your friends might be here, but if your friends are a bad guy, boo them because that's what they want to see. That's what they need. That is success for them. Yeah. Because we have so many people that come here and their friends are wrestling. They just cheer, even though they're the bad guys. Right, right. So now you're killing the person because, right, yeah. because if I'm a baby face, mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be the hero here. You're supposed to be uh, killing and murdering me and you come into the scene and all your friends are cheering. You now make me... Look yeah. like crap. Yeah, exactly. And then this person, no one's going to work with anymore because your friends are ruining it. Right. Because nobody explains to them yeah, just yeah. to treat this like, treat it like your role. This person comes up. You know, we laugh at sports teams in different cities and stuff. Like when I was in, um, you know, I'm from the Philly area. So like at the vet and, you know, the spectrum and all, we didn't need like, Cheer now, applause, clap, right. clap, <laughs> right. clap, clap. You have to tell the audience. Yeah, a but when bit, I but when yeah. I was in when I was in uh Florida and the Florida Marlins just got there, like they didn't know how to be fans. Right. So they basically had like on a scoreboard like clap clap. Clap clap. Wow, okay. Clap clap. Clap clap oh to teach people. Bizarre. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. But that's yeah, this was that's back I think like in ninety three, ninety four. I was just like wild. I was like Oh, wow, these people have no fucking clue. <laughs> the re main reason I want to do this show is mm -hmm. this show kind of like the the dynamics that pro wrestling share with so many different things. Yeah. It's it's a hybrid of everything. And again, like, we're just holding ourselves back because we're just holding on to shit that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, when you got your start, like, mm -hmm. you went to, like, a really fucking good school, right? I guess so. Yeah, come on, dude. <laughs> you went to like a good school, right? You went uh -huh. to like Tish and shit? I did, yeah. It was, I went to NYU and, uh, you know, it's, it's. I think uh, NYU is tricky in the way because it has a reputation right. of being this really good school, right? right? And uh, I think that the, the way that NYU gets away with this is a numbers game where they have, they over-enroll. Uh -huh. There's like 350 students in every class, right? And you're bound to have some award-winning filmmakers yes. come out of 350 students every year. Yeah. Right? If one of them wins an Oscar every year, you know, you're like, Well, dude, this okay. is, that's, that's my formula I use for here. Yeah. Like, literally, like, I told everybody, they're like, well, you were only successful because you trained so many people. I go, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It works. It right. works. Totally. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there, there's a, unfortunately, though, it's film, filmmaking is not really something you can mm -hmm. teach in a classroom, yeah, it's a great environment. NYU offered a great environment to learn on set and to be able to work with other student filmmakers and to experiment and fail and and learn from that's, mistakes see, that's, and all that. That's what I think, though. I mean, like at the cusp, I mean, like, isn't that what school though is? Yeah, I mean, it's. Exactly. I mean, you're you're not really going to go and we're we're going to say, hey, we're going to recreate the real world here. No, you're going to, you know, kind of like have your little home ec class yeah. you're gonna have your own little scenario absolutely and it, it the numbers game plays towards the uh, is an advantage when it comes to networking yes. in the film industry which is the basis of the film industry and i'm sure it's the same in wrestling yes. as well where the more people you meet the better off you are and so many of those people that i, I worked with and met in film school i'm still friends with and i still yeah. work with i Always. see all the time and it's just your network it's your people right that's and 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 what's great about it is and i'm sure you've seen it since you got 
to go to school and be around the right people. When you're around the wrong people, you just go, okay, cool. And you just, you do your business and it's like, cool, this is someone <laughs> who would no longer be in my network, but yeah. I'm glad I got to experience them because now I got to experience it. That's true. That's a good point. The, the, like, now when you went to school, like when you were, like we talked to, with Jeremiah and, and you guys go way back. How long do you and Jeremiah go way back? How uh, far? From the start of the Monster Factory. Right. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, no, you didn't know him. No, prior? I didn't know him before that. You didn't. I had seen his film with the animals, which I absolutely loved. But okay, didn't, I didn't know but you him, didn't have and any... I also didn't connect him to that movie. Okay, so you didn't have any connection with him? Pro- no, not okay. at all. Not at all. All right, because that's what I was wondering. Because like when when he was putting you over so much, I was like, oh, he must have worked with him before. Yeah, and no. all this. Stuff. I don't know. Maybe he saw a movie. Yeah, he had to. Because, yeah. like, if he, like, the way he was talking about you, like, and this was even off camera. So, like, you know, what <laughs> I mean? really, I mean, you guys were so kind to me in your, in Dude, your talk and like, the recording. I just, uh, it means so much to me. And well, it's, that's it's the really, way it was just an honor to work with him, work with Galen, and work with you. Like, I'm so I appreciate grateful for the opportunity. Like, like, I didn't tell him this, and I'll tell you this. Um, when we, and then draw me back to, to your school because mm-hmm. my ADHD, sure, no, it's all good. <laughs> um, so when, when we first did the sizzle reel and he came out to meet me and mm-hmm. all, or no, this was before the sizzle reel. He came out to meet me mm-hmm. and he went, we went out to eat at Whistler's. He goes to the bath. He goes, um, so Dan, what do you want to do? Do you, do you want to do a show? And I was like, I would love to. And he goes, okay. And he just get up, went to the bathroom and like, I forget who <laughs> wow. it was. I don't know. Jeremiah if it was, did that? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. He just goes, oh, okay. And then he goes to the bathroom. And then as he's at the bathroom, I think it was either Galen or Will or something goes, you have no fucking clue who he is, do you? <laughs> and I go, no. And they go, just Google it. And I go, I never Google anybody's name because I honestly, I always treat everybody. I try to be as nice as to everybody. And yeah. I also don't want to be super nervous mm-hmm. because that's another one of my things is like, if I know I'm just going to meet somebody, I'm going to be great. But if I know I'm going to meet somebody who could have my career or my life in their <laughs> hands, I'm terrified. Yeah, yeah. But like I looked, I went, oh, wow, he he's pretty important. Oh, wow. He won this. He won that. Mm-hmm. And then I go, he sits back down. I go, so what do you see? He goes, I see me following you for maybe six years or six months to a year. And uh, we putting out a great kick-ass show. And I was like, let's fucking do it. <laughs> and like, go. that was the meeting. Like, awesome. And then I knew he was pimp when uh, he goes to get up. And uh, he goes, I can go on and leave. And I go, all right, buddy, see you later. And he just goes, looks around at the his friends and just goes, guys, I'm leaving. I don't have GPS. So they had to like drive him back. Yeah. So like, I was like, I love this guy with his flip phone. He's yeah. perfect. I was going to, I was like, think, I, I, it's almost hard to communicate with him because I'm like, do I text him? Right. And I was like, but I know he's not going to like that. So I was thinking, should I just call him and right. just be like, he is, the a show caller. is awesome. Maybe I should just call him out of the blue, but like, I don't do that with anybody else. So it's th- yeah. so weird to read people because like there's certain, certain people that love the phone calls. Mm-hmm. There's some people that love the text. Like, I'm a text guy. Yeah. You text me anytime, I'll get to it. Like, yeah. and I, and I'm, and even if like I missed it for like three or four days, I'll be like, oh my God, I just saw this. Yeah. yeah. Or if I, I'll just ghost you if I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, good. But, I'm glad you don't hate me. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I get back to like, but even like the people I hate, I still like will always feel bad. Yeah. And like still get back to them because I'll be like, maybe this is that lifeline that they need. Yeah. Like, that's my biggest thing. Um, but I love a phone call. Phone calls yeah, are good, phone actually. calls. That, but that's, like, yeah. the thing. Like, like for example, like, name drop, out my uh-huh. foot. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh-huh. Just phone calls. Yeah. Doesn't text. Okay. But then it gives me, con- like, uh, a fucking complex because, like, 
if I text him, he doesn't get back to me. But then if I call him, he doesn't get back to me. I'm just like, oh, uh, man, now he really hates me. Or he's just busy. Yeah. yeah. But then but like, I, I feel like when you were texting me about coming to do the show, I was like, it felt like when you were calling all the wrestlers for the, right. the showcase. And I was like, oh, I'm on the other side of that. That's kind of funny. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> but, dude, it's it's it was like immediately when I thought about doing the show, mm-hmm. I was like, I want to have people on that are like, I want – because like you comfort me you do you do (laughs) like because you're a good person i can tell and like (laughs) and jeremiah like you guys comfort me you put me at ease because like there's no malice in your fucking body yeah and i can't stand that like there's i never i i have the mentality of like yes for everything like yes i want to help yes i want to do this yes i want to do that because like i never assume anybody has any malice towards me right but then like now i'm so jilted so and like you know what i mean so like yeah because I've have been, you have to over. have your guard up. Yeah, otherwise I have been. Screwed. So Absolutely. like I was like, I want my first two shows to be like uh, Jeremiah and Zach, and that's it. And like <laughs> I, honestly, like that was wow. like that was it. And then like when I bought you up to Jeremiah, and he was, had such beaming praise for you, I was like, <laughs> that's sewn it. I'm we're we're doing really. that shit. <laughs> cool. Um. So, uh, with school, when you were mm-hmm. in. Like, when did the visions of, like, yeah, man, I want to get into cinematography, or was it, like, did you want to act, or you just liked movies, or, like, what was it? Yeah, well, I was talking earlier about, you know, getting being into uh, magic shows, and mm-hmm. I really wanted, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a magician. And I now look back at that. For a while, I, I kind of forgot about that. But now I look back at it, and I realize, oh, that I'm just doing the, I'm being a magician. I get to, like, yeah. you know, know the tricks and perform the tricks so that somebody doesn't know that there is a trick being done, right? The only thing and that's missing that. is at the end of the scene, it's just going, ta-da. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that's the credits, you know, you watch the credits, and, and that's the ta-da. Um, but uh, but yeah, for me, it was always the process of filmmaking that in, uh, inspired me and excited me. Um, I discovered it really through skate videos. I had some friends who were skate who got into skateboarding, and I couldn't skate, so I was like, "Oh, I'll just film them skateboarding." Yeah. Uh, and when I put that footage into iMovie and put music to it, I was like, "Oh my god, this is an incredible thing I can I can yep. do and make." And I've so how many been a maker? So how many uh, "Can't Kill Yourself" videos did you watch back in the day? <laughs> what did those? you ever see? That was Jackass. Like, oh no! I see. Oh, I didn't watch skate videos. I uh, just made that. Oh, I was just okay. like, I just wanted to <laughs> make the things because uh, I wasn't that into skating. I just, I mostly wanted to hang out with my friends. Yep. And it was an excuse to like be around them. But, uh, but yeah. So that and then like woodworking. I've I've done a lot of woodworking when I was a kid. Yeah, and, I saw and that with your with it. your rings. Like, oh, thank you. That was amazing. <laughs> like, I saw that. And I was like. Look at this crafty fucker. Like <laughs> I, I, you haven't seen it in person yet. Dude, yeah. that is so badass. Yeah. <laughs> that is so yeah. badass. Um, so yeah, I think like just making things was always really satisfying. And then when I discovered movie making in particular, I realized, oh, this is such a cool confluence of collaboration and and making and doing things with my hands, but also computer stuff. Like I liked working on a computer. I liked editing a lot to begin with. And that there was so much to learn about the technical aspects of making movies. So that all really struck me. And then I realized there was another moment of like, oh, I can tell stories with this. And yes. I really like sequential visual storytelling. I love comic books and uh, not like uh, superhero comic books, but more like um, graphic novels yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, funnies comics that you see like in the newspaper, yeah, yeah. newspaper comics. Um, but I like that that medium because it's just, it's sequential and visual and, and storytelling. So when I realized, oh, all these things can kind of come together. And then I went to a, um, a summer camp to do filmmaking. How old were you? 
Uh, that was in high school. That was between sophomore and junior year of high school. Give everybody what, what year did you graduate high school? Just so uh, two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Right. Yeah. Just so, so everybody... that was uh, two thousand six, I guess. Um, and I yeah, it's probably summer of two thousand six. So I went to this like summer high school film program through the New York Film Academy, and that was. But they were doing it in Massachusetts because I grew up in Massachusetts in right. in Cambridge. Um, I was there for a month, and uh, it was really a test of like is this something that I can do for the long run? Something that I really want to invest my time in. Um, and when I got there and we got to make movies for, you know, live, live, eat, breathe, you know, shit, sleep, uh, right. you know, making movies. I was like, this is, this is the thing. This is absolutely you, you, the thing. You felt I it. found my people. I found the craft and it was like, I could do everything this. was okay. I'm all absolutely. Now, when you, when you had that moment, were your parents supportive? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is huge. And I, I know you had a lot of difficulty yeah, yeah. with that with your dad. Um, but I think my, my dad was very, uh, he was an entrepreneur. He was kind of a visionary inventor, like artist. He was, had a lot of things going for him as like a type A creative person. Um, but when I was growing up, he was more of a business guy. He, right. Like he was an entrepreneur. He had his own business, but it was always based on something that he had invented or was creating. Um, and then, and my mom, uh, is an interior designer. So I kind of, see myself somewhere in between the two of them. Uh, both of them working at home when I was a kid. Yep. Um, but I think that also allowed them to understand that, oh, I can do make my own business. I can work for myself it's, and, and encourage that if, if nothing else. And it's when I was, when you said that about like your dad, like mm -hmm. it, it also made me now realize also why I want wrestling treated the way it is. Mm -hmm. Because when you tell people you're getting into it, it's, Oh, it's into this. But if it, if I said like, "Hey, I'm going to go to school, acting school," or "I'm going to go to do this," they might have been like, "Oh, that's great. You should, yeah. and we'll be supportive." But instead, it was pro wrestling, and because right. it's not taken seriously, because it's not taken seriously. How can it be? Right. I can't take it seriously, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like when I see. Yeah. Like, I look back and I'm like, oh, my God, look at Hulk Hogan. He's in a tank top <laughs> and yellow tights yep. right on, like, Arsenio Hall at all. And, like, yeah. cool, great, and, yeah. wow, that's embarrassing. It's absurd, but that's what's great about I, it, right? But it is, but it isn't. Like, I'm, yeah. I, I so want it to be, like, that should just be choice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, nobody made John Cena dress up as Peacemaker right. to go to all the uh, things, even though he did it, which yeah. was hilarious. Yeah. Because, like, he's in gimmick. It's amazing. Yeah. But, like, that part I, I couldn't get. Yeah. But, but I can't imagine what it would have been like if my parents had not been supportive right. of that, right? And, and especially and, something you know that you want to do. And when you know that, you just know it. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, and it's kind of like nobody convince, can convince you to either love or not love somebody. Right. Like, you either do or you don't. Right. So, absolutely. like... The other thing, though, I realized is... So, my dad really supported and, and pushed. Um, and then I went to NYU and he was like, you, he saw me as a director and I right. wanted to be a director because I thought that was the only thing there was in making movies. Right. Like, oh, the director's the one who makes the movie. Great. I want to do that. Um, but when I got to film school and, and also before that I had worked on a number of sets around, you know, where I grew up, um, I, I realized, oh, there's other roles in this. Yeah. And I thought that being a director of photography would, allow me to uh, be a stepping stone to directing. Um, so when I went to film school, my dad was like, you need to be a director. Cause I think he watched a lot of like Charlie Rose interviews where yeah. it was like actors, writers, directors are the people you see 
uh, yep. as the face of those things. You don't see cinematographers in, you know, pu- uh, publicized in media, yeah. you know, to the general public. So, um, so he was pushing for that. And when I got to film school, I realized I'm not, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not a seed idea person. Mm-hmm. I'm not the person who starts with a blank page and can just generate something out of nothing. I'm more the person who's going to take somebody else's idea and try to enhance it. And I can add all of my experience. You're the seasoning. And, and the making and – yeah, seasoning. Oh, that's a great way to put that. Like yeah, that. you're the seasoning, bro. Yeah. Um, so I, I liked being the seasoning. And um, once, I, once I kind of realized that is more the place where I see myself, I had to kind of say I'm not going to be a director. And I think my dad sort of struggled with that. Yeah. Where he – saw me in one way and he was very supportive, but it was also like, well, you're selling yourself short. Why do you want to be the second in command instead of working for yourself and running your own thing? And I was like, cause I, that's who I am. But it, it took some time for him to get that. Does he get it now? Uh, he passed away a few years ago. So oh, I, I, it's all right. I think but, he, but, uh, but did he start to get I it? I think he started to get it. Yeah. There's, um, I, I think so. And it was a lot of really, or was it like, or was it like that deal where it's like, Hey, you're at medical school. You could be a doctor. Don't be a nurse. Right. You know what I mean? Like that you're better than that. It, it was that. Yeah. It yeah. was definitely that. But it was also took a lot of like selling the idea to him of legitimizing what my role is, which is maybe not ideal. And it, it would have been better if he appreciated that I'm I'm in a support role and I like that. And instead it was very much me trying to make my role more important than it is yeah. in some way. Yeah. Um, you, you, yeah. You shouldn't have to guess your own stuff up. Right. But <laughs> but I think when I you know, he did appreciate that. And I got him a subscription to American cinematographer magazine when I, for a few years. And I was like, just read the articles yes. and you'll get it. But I think he got it. I don't know. He gets it. He yeah. gets it. Yeah. Now, now I look at your work and I was telling you before, um, that I saw some of your stuff before I knew, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Cause like <laughs> I, me and my wife were horror fans and we were talking about it, but like we were talking, uh, about uh what was it um the vigil vigil yeah uh which was like i was i'm a horror person but like i think there's something so i've never seen anything so married before between uh religion and horror oh cool are you i mean the exorcist that's what i'm saying like there's so (laughs) many like that's what i'm saying like that's what makes it because like when you hear other things it's oh it's folklore Mm-hmm. It's this. Oh, yeah. you know, don't say Candyman. Like, I never heard that until the movie Candyman. Right, right. Religion, we've all heard the stories and we've heard the tales mm-hmm. for years and years and centuries. Yeah. So, like, when it becomes, like, married to cinema, yeah. you kind of, like, it becomes darker and even more scary because yes. it's like, is this what it's really about? Right. So, like. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. And, and both of us are atheists, so yes. it's interesting to kind of, like, <laughs> yeah. see the religious yeah. world at a distance and yeah. be like, is, that's terrifying. Yeah, that's really terrifying. I don't know if I would have that be my gauge for how I live, but okay. Right. But it was, it was, that was an interesting film. So the writer director, his name is Keith Thomas. He's fantastic. And he uh, went to rabbinical school. Okay. Um, And I think he, he grew up Jewish. I wouldn't say he's, I don't know if he's practicing nowadays. I don't think so. Now, did you grow up Jewish and then? No, I grew up an atheist. My dad is a scientist. Really? Yeah, I was was just atheist. So you and Goldie are like, like, are you, like, is your, your dad was atheist too? Like, no. We, we celebrated Passover and Christmas, and that was the those were the holidays. Because like geez, Goldie's, you know, Goldschmidt, and like we're like, oh, you're Jewish. He's like, I'm not Jewish. Uh, we're Catholic. I'm like, well, wait, what's going on here? Yeah, no, we call it Jewish. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
No, yeah, I think uh, I definitely had an appreciation for the uh, the Jewish culture right. and the heritage of that. Right. And my grandparents are Holocaust survivors, and I wow. heard stories about that. And and my dad immigrated from Israel when he was a kid, and it's like hearing stories of him coming across on on a boat and seeing like the Statue of Liberty for the first time. Oh and, like, my god, that's all really interesting to me, and and it's a story of survival and a story and like that story and and freedom and. Uh, and escaping from slavery, and that story is sold, uh, told, sorry, in Passover. Yeah. Um, and I really, uh, I don't know. I thought it was fascinating to like hear uh, of a people telling their story over generations, wow. and the tradition of that is interesting. the The belief and faith aspect of it is what turned me off. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know that part I couldn't really get behind, but um, I think John it, yeah. John Fuglesang said, said it. I think it was like uh, he goes, uh, yeah, what did he say? Um, think he was talking i'm gonna butcher this but anyway he's like it's not so much the the, the, the people uh, it's not so much jesus i don't like it's jesus's fan club uh, <laughs> you know what i mean fair enough yeah, and it's like sure and it's but like, he was also a magician and you know telling people it wasn't a trick right so <laughs> but but like that that's like i was like i when i look back at like something like that when was that movie made uh the vigil was we shot it in 2018 T and it came out in 2020 now, I look at that and I look at Barbarian, mm -hmm. and I can see like, like where where does your influence come from? And I'm just gonna preface this by saying like I have so many different friends like in wrestling, mm -hmm. and like for example like and this is how I get my friends into the podcast. I put their names out there and then I hook oh them good up. yeah okay yeah so like <laughs> a couple of my me. guys a couple of my guys like were coaches here with me Q T Marshall and Damian Priest Damian Priest over at WWE. Uh, QT's over at AEW. They're both rock fans, like huge grown up rock fans. But like QT uh, does a lot of stuff that The Rock does. But Damian Priest, you can see some of his influence is also with The Undertaker and like mm -hmm. uncertain stuff. Like where you don't see it right away, but when you say like, hey, this is his influence, you're like, oh, I can see that now and I can see that. So like, what were your influences and also, was it maybe not even an influence as, as more of like you saw like a need and you fit it with with what with 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 how with how your with how your your approach to to filmmaking and and to capturing that scene like like when I see it I look at it and I just like I have my take on where I think it comes from but I want to hear yours and then like and I want to hear yours yeah. <laughs> that's interesting okay yeah I got you so yeah I think like. Uh, coming from the, like, I'm not a cinephile and I feel like a lot of people. And what does with, that mean? Sorry. Somebody who, uh, watches a lot of movies and loves watching movies and has like an encyclopedic knowledge of movies. Good. I just don't have that. Good. I'm so glad. Cause dude, fuck yeah. I knew I liked you for a reason. <laughs> so like, I hate when people will have all this information cataloged. And they'll, they'll, they'll name all this stuff. And I go, essentially what you are is you're a computer, <laughs> oh, which, okay. which it doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? Like you're just mm -hmm. like, when you start naming, like, Hey, I saw this movie and this person was this part and this part. And I was like, you just did what I could do on a Google. Yeah. Tell me what but, you feel though about that person. Tell me what, you know what I mean? Like, that's what, right. Cause like, I don't know a thousand moves. Like, I don't know their names. Yeah. I don't know who was in this arena and what championship was won here. Right. I just know. 
what it takes to make this yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I relate to that. But I also think that the the um, the people I've worked, the directors I've worked with who are cinephiles, I think it's a really valuable thing for them. Yeah, because, for them. They need, yes. yeah. And I think it's more from like a research standpoint and being able to quickly call upon the things and say, oh, it's like that. Reference point, yeah, yes. exactly. So, um, so since I didn't really have that, I come from it more from a process perspective, right? And there, yeah, there were films that influenced me. And I love watching movies, don't get me wrong. I just don't store them in that way. Yeah. And and I don't remember a lot of the movies that I grew up with. And yep. It wasn't the reason that I got into making movies. But the uh, uh, there's like, I, I like movies that, that are precise and feel efficient and feel like they're about telling the story and in a way that... Uh, gives you the purest form of the narrative and strips away a lot of the bells and whistles of, of cinema or like spectacle. Well, that's um, what I was going to say. Like when I look at, when I look at some of your scenes and stuff, I, it makes me just go bare knuckles, eight millimeter. Like, honestly, <laughs> oh, interesting. but like, not like in the bed, yeah, yeah. like, like, like in the, um, it makes me go, Oh, uh, I'm going to see something of substance here. Yeah, good. You know cool. what I mean? As yeah. opposed to, because like back then when people filmed things, it was because they had something to film. Right, exactly. Today, anybody can film anything so it doesn't feel as special. Yeah. But like when I look at like through your lens, through your seasoning, I think, oh, here's a motherfucker that has some cool shit to tell me. <laughs> I need to pay attention. Yeah, and I think you can tell that when you watch a movie uh, that the director and hopefully the cinematographer have confidence in the vision that they're putting forward. And I, I, I think that confidence, intentionality, and uh, planning to get to, to that end is, is critical to my process and critical to what makes a movie really great in my perspective. Um, so like a movie and I, I've always looked up to Roger Deakins, for example, who's a, a cinematographer, um, who like just thrives on precision and efficiency Okay, and like the, like no country for old men and prisoners are like some of my favorite movies of all time. And both of them are, are so simple and yep. efficient and it's, it's almost hard to dissect them because you, you get everything you, like right here, right in front of you. And it's, yeah, yeah I, it's I, no nonsense. Cause and, right away when you said. No country for old men. I immediately pictured all these different scenes, and I was like, "Yeah, it's it's everything's right there on the on the on the camera for you. No bells, whistles, all that other bullshit." Yeah, exactly. Perfectly it's right. just it's very clean storytelling that has a point, and and the camera is always exactly where it needs to be, doing exactly what it needs to do, and nothing more. So I I really aspire to that. And I hope that that's a, a through line in my work, but not so much referential across my work uh, to, you know, something right. like visually that's inspiring, um, just more intentionality. And, you, and you know, but within each project, there are references and the director will come to me and say, oh, it's like this movie and this movie, this movie. And then we'll look at all those images gotcha. and pull those and be like, we want to make our movie look like this collection and of these movies. And that's something. exactly with wrestling. We do it all the time. Like I'll say like, Hey, I want you to do this, you know, just like, you know, the rock Austin angle, or I want you to do this, you know, just like this. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, do you ever, cause like, I'm a big person. Like if they bought me on, for example, if I, I was going to go and direct something or to do something in a wrestling standpoint, mm -hmm. I need to know. I'm a very, like, I need to know the person's motivation. I need to know. So, like, when you're doing different projects, do you just, they go, hey, we offered you, you know, you're getting to offer this. Do you just go, cool. Or do you be like, hey, I, I need to know more about this. 
Yeah, there's a process, of course, to deciding whether to take on a project, and there are many factors. It starts with the script, of course. I work mostly in narrative, and The Monster Factory was actually a, a unique experience right. for me doing documentary. But the I think the reason that they wanted me to shoot it was because I didn't do a lot of documentary, and there were uh, Galen had great visions for uh, theatricalizing so much right. of it and taking that larger than life idea and you know, uh, making these dream sequences that we had a lot of fun with and, yeah. and really going for it. So, um, uh, sorry, I forgot your question actually, but, um, uh, yeah, dude, that's ADHD and me too. So this is perfect. <laughs> Whoops. Um, uh, but uh, shit, shit, what was, it was a good question too. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is great. Uh, Please leave this the fuck in Eric. Cause now I feel like I'm on edibles and like, I just, uh, and funny. they just hit and I forgot everything. Um, wait, so what were we just, you were saying, <laughs> oh my God. This is so great. Uh, you were talking to... about directing something, and then no, the, the intention, the why, why to take on a project. That yeah, yeah, it. that's okay. it. Yeah, yeah. why, why so, do you take on a project? Uh, and if there's any like, <laughs> right. do you ever so, like go like, I got to talk to this person, or can I see more of this? Or? Yeah, so it's it's all of that. So I think uh, for me, it's it starts with the script, and uh, I nowadays my agent will send me a script, or a friend of mine will send me a script and be like, Hey, do you want to? Are are you interested right. in taking a look at this? Does it talk? Does it speak to you? You know, that's like the the first thing. So I'll read the script. And for me, I'm I'm such a bad reader, actually. I, I'm so slow at reading <laughs> that when I can, can you get it to me in an audiobook? <laughs> oh my god, that would be great. I listen to podcasts and audiobooks all the time. But the uh, I found an app that reads scripts yeah. to you out loud. Yep. It's great. Um, and it it's it's weird because it's in like robot voice and I wish there were like the voices. Oh, I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll be able to get a Morgan Freeman soon. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so uh, if I can read a script quickly, then I know this is probably good. Because it's keeping I, it's, you in, yeah, enthralled. In exactly. It. Yep. Um, and I think part of the reason that I'm not great at reading quickly is because I do get very particular about the, the way it flows. Do you, do you um, find yourself doing this also? As you're reading it, mm -hmm. though, you also then start to then start picturing scenes and mm -hmm. stuff, which then makes you not want to go read more because you're too much into. Does it ever do that? Like where you almost get too excited? Uh, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't say too excited that I want to stop reading. No, 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 no. But, but I mean, like too excited, too excited like where you I'm like wind up it. wind up getting up and going like I could do this or I could do that because I'll do that sometimes oh, when I read like different books. Yeah, and like where huh. I'll like read a book and it almost like motivate me to get creative where mm. I shouldn't be reading this right now yeah. because this sparked something into me and I should put it down. Huh. No, I don't think I've experienced You that, should try it, dude. But... Like, I do it sometimes. <laughs> like, I'll read yeah. and, like, I'll fight. There'll be, like, things where I'm just like, I want to go look this up, but I'm fighting the urge because I don't know if this is my ADHD or, oh, yeah. if, or if I'm just truly inspired. Oh, interesting. Usually it's just procrastination <laughs> yeah, for me. Yeah. I'll look at something else. But I guess the, the closest example to that would be reading something and then being like, oh, this reminds me of that scene in that movie. Maybe I should go like look at images from that movie mm -hmm. to see if it's actually in line with what I'm thinking. So I might do that while I'm reading. Um, but for the most part, I try to just read it straight through. And uh, and I'll like take notes maybe on the cover of the script. I also print things out. It's what were important. the notes for this? What did they give you for this? Just oh, like so, what they do, they send you the Vimeo thing. I'm sure. Yeah. So it was the sizzle reel, and then um, the, the yeah, there was no script, so it was just talking with Galen and William. That was it. I yeah. So then the second thing after reading the script is meeting with the director and uh, and hearing what their vision is. And sometimes, depending on the director and the circumstances, I might have to present my vision, and I'll make a lookbook. Um, if it's a job that I'm like, oh, I really want this job or I really need to, um, 
there's an expectation that I need right. to be able to present a vision. But I don't really like that because for me, the vision should be coming from the director mm-hmm. and I want to be inspired by what, by what their ideas are. And if I can come in a blank slate, I'm going to do a better job. Right. Um, but it's, it's an interesting process to try to like come up with ideas for something visually. Um, and then if, if I vibe with the director and it's really, it's not just about their vision. It's also about, do we get along? Like, is this, you know, a person I'm going to spend three or four months with, you know, uh, yeah, and, and I'm miserable and, yeah. thieves. like, you know, I, I, we, we were going to be married. I think, so. I think, I think everybody pretty much got along, right? Yeah. Like I didn't, I never heard anything. Yeah. No, we had a, a really good, really good crew. Right. Really amazing team all around. Like, so. I think like the only thing I heard was like, like, and it was just like, you know, like this person said one thing one day, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, like that—that's that, nothing. And they're like, no, that's what I'm saying. Like it was nothing. Like yeah. everybody was awesome. Exactly. And you know, for if six months is a long time, and of course, there's like you get on people's nerves. Oh and yeah. Whatever. But, uh, but it was all all good spirited. I was and, yeah. I was in heaven, dude. Like honestly, yeah. like especially like when I was going through with my mom and all. Like if if I didn't have this show, I told Jeremiah, like I would have, I'd have, I don't know, dude. I'd have, I'd have gone insane. Yeah. Um. What did you think when you started and you met everybody? Were you just like, what were your, I know you had your preconceived notions and you were like, no, I was kind of open-minded, but like, what did you, did you think like there's something special here or was it just like, ah, it's just another gig? Hmm. Uh, Yeah, no, I definitely got a sense of that this is a special place. And I think it's because of the love that you put forward and the environment that you set up. Like it was so easy. I mean, even just watching the sizzle reel, I was like, oh, this is, this is cool. Like there's something here for sure. Um, and I was very excited. I mean, I got excited by the technical stuff, of course, because right, right. that's who I am. Um, but doing the interviews was was a fascinating problem to solve. And right. uh, Galen came to me with an interesting idea, which was he wants to do, uh, and maybe this is too technical for your audience. No, no, but, no. Uh, but this is also like you throw it out there and then that means they'll go and look it up and then yeah. it opens another thing up. Exactly, yeah. So the idea was um, he wanted to do the interviews with, two cameras so we could do a, a medium and a close-up at the same time, but have both of them with the interview subjects looking onto the eyeline, or sorry, straight into the lens. So um, you can imagine that would be hard because you can't have right. two cameras in the same place at the same time, right? So uh, that, uh, as we started thinking about that, he was like, well, we could just punch in, you know, and, and for the close-up, yeah. just crop it. But that he and I both knew that that's really... Um, uh, it doesn't have the same effect. No, it looks no. very different. Uh, so it would be much better if we could have it on a longer lens. So I got to thinking about that. I was like, how do you put two cameras in the same place at the same time? And then 3D rig popped up into my head. Uh, and is and that why it was like you could see the – is that is that the the what you wind up doing? Um, yes, yes. So, so that's how like I would see the ledge for those who can't see because you can't. Like when I'm looking, when I was sitting down, I could see the ledge and then there was another camera like going up through the mirror. Yeah. So the way a 3D rig works, uh, if you want to shoot something for stereo 3D, you uh, put two cameras pointing 90 degrees to each other into a box. And in that box is a, a mirror between the two of them at a 45 degree angle. One of the cameras is looking straight through the mirror and the other camera is looking at the reflection in that mirror. Or it's like a two-way piece of glass. It's like a 50% reflective yeah. uh, piece of glass. And uh, and with that, you have them lined up uh, perfectly or rather in 3D, slightly offset from each other. So I was like, well, if we did that, but instead of offsetting them, just put them in the same place, then it would look like they're in line and we'll do one with a longer lens. Usually you do both with the same lens. Dude, uh, it's so fucking... Tighter. So then... 
on top of that, we needed to have our interview subjects looking at Galen's face, yeah. not at the lens, because you can't... And Galen reading reading the questions right. on my lips exactly. and, and me getting so, angry. <laughs> so there's a technique that uh, has already existed. It's called an interatron, which was invented by Earl Morris, a documentarian. And uh, that... Morristron would sound too silly. No, that would be strange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Inter- right. And not that interatron is much better, but... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but he's, you know, a famous documentarian, did a lot of great work, and his interviews had a really unique thing where the subjects could look straight into the lens. And this was done with a similar piece of glass and a TV screen under yeah. the glass, just like a teleprompter. It works the same way as a teleprompter. So, uh, so we were like, oh, can we get... So then it was a matter of assembling these pieces of equipment and making them work, and then also doing a double, so like a 3D rig and the Interatron in front of it, it... When, a lot of glass and it was a whole thing. When, but like, <laughs> but like, it has like that's one of those things. Like, you could see other things set up in similar ways, like meaning like the same seating and all, but it just doesn't look the same, right? And people could say like, why? And it's the seasoning. Yes, there it's is the exactly. fucking seasoning. <laughs> the seasoning yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that chicken is not like that chicken. They look the same, but it's the seasoning. Yeah. So uh, sorry, you asked me about what my impressions were of the place when I first yeah, got here. Yeah, but, but like, really, like you know, I was so excited and and intrigued by this these technical problems and me doing documentary for the first time. I was like, well. I'm I'm I like camera operating a lot, but I don't want to have the camera on my shoulder for six right. months. I'm gonna ruin my back. Yeah. So how do we deal with that? And then it was like, oh well, let's kind of reinvent the camera rig and get the smallest possible camera, but with a good lens and like all this other camera control stuff that uh, we kind of had to figure out. And we spent I think the first month of shooting constantly changing the camera package yeah. and my first AC Rob Coe is fantastic in that and and the two of us were constantly like what if we just replace this and and he well he would actually roll his eyes and I'd be like <laughs> I would be what if we can replace this and he'd say okay we'll get that thing and yeah. then we you know uh, built out the thing so were you guys boys prior to or just meeting on oh, this? Rob and I are longtime friends okay yeah, cool yeah. cool uh, we worked on a, a movie that we nicknamed the terrible awful no good very bad Chinese road trip movie and it was <laughs> it was my very last time uh, as a camera assistant. It was and, that bad. Uh, yes, and this was in 2014 at the end of the at the end of the year. And Rob was the B cam first AC, and I was the A cam first AC. And we went on this 30 day straight shoot across the country uh, with like yeah, no days off and like 18 hour days and like six hour just turnaround. miserable as can be being abused the whole time. It was horrible. Yeah. But, you know, in that we became brothers. Yeah, I was going like, to say, yeah. like, <laughs> that's what the whole concept of this. Like I said, the first name was going to be you'll never make it because <laughs> yeah. because like even when you make it, yeah, you don't feel like you made it because yeah. like according to everybody, I made it. Yeah. But I don't feel like I made it. Yeah. Exactly. Because you're never going to feel like you made exactly. it because it's the journey. Exactly. So if like you didn't go through that movie. Yeah. And that bullshit. Exactly. You, didn't, you wouldn't be boys with him and you Absolutely. wouldn't have had this conversation. And like. Right. And we should talk about that too. Cause like the, um, my, I had, a, I had a similar experience of like thinking, oh, I'm going to make it. And yeah. then yeah, where it, it, nobody called, you know? Yeah. And that was through, uh, so after that, uh, that was my last time ACing. I was I was like okay I'm only going to be a DP now and uh, only take DP jobs and uh, that was in 2015 and I got really really lucky that year and got to shoot two feature films in that year which is kind of unheard of and, yeah. and like just starting that way truly really lucky it's a coincidence of like people lining up in the right time and place and it all was yeah magic. man 
And one of those films called The Eyes of My Mother, which if you like horror yeah, movies, yeah, yeah. you should see that one too. Yeah. Um, well, that's what the, when I saw that, yeah. I saw that and I went, now we have to see this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're definitely going to. I think to. you might even like it more than The Vigil. Okay. It's, it's intense. It's, it's a really dark fucked up movie. Good, good. I'm, I'm all about um, dark fucked up movies. Excellent. So, uh, so that, that movie got a lot of success, though. It went, went to Sundance. Uh, I was nominated for an Independent Spirit Award Hell for yeah, that man. film. Thank you. And uh, it was, I, I thought, I was like, oh, okay, I made it. Yeah, like, I, I, where's it, my right? mansion? Exactly. And uh, and the problem was there's, I hit this middle ground where I had prior to that been shooting a lot of like interviews and uh, branded content stuff and um, like really small, like little music videos and here and right. there. Um, and when I had that success, all those people that I had worked with before, they were like, Oh, Zach's too good. Zach's too expensive. Zach's not yep. available. You know, yep. um, I can't. I He's moved on. Him. He's doing films now. Exactly. Um, so all those people just stopped calling me. And then meanwhile, I was like, oh, I'm going to try to level up and try to get more movies. And you people, haven't people, done enough. Yeah. They're like, oh, you did one movie. Great. And yeah. That was it. So Jeez. I went a very almost a year without doing anything uh, more than a year. Yeah, because that was yeah, it was like. Now, do you have agent helping you out and doing stuff? Or? Um, yeah, that was complicated too, and and it was about a year from when we shot Eyes My Mother until I got an agent, and it was yeah complicated and went through a kind of festival. Because thing. like but, with 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 like right when we started filming, yeah. people came up. They're like, "Yeah, you should get this. You should get that." Mm-hmm. And I go, "What do I tell them?" And they go, "Tell them you have a show." I go, "But I don't." Not yet. <laughs> then they're exactly. like, oh, yeah. And then Jeremiah's like, hey, I'll get you into this. And now I'm like, all right. And he goes, well, just wait. And he goes, and then we'll wait for season two to get announced. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, well, we yeah. didn't. So now, uh, dude, yeah. like. No, it's all right. And and I realized that, you know, the a- agents aren't necessarily going to bring you work. And no, but they're not it's gonna, still somebody. Yeah. You know? And and they did. They, you know, they, they were bringing me scripts and interviews and stuff. But those people were just like, right. oh, well, you, you have to you've wait. only done one movie. So you don't, you don't check this off on a resume. Exactly. You need experience. Exactly. But you to get experience, experience, to get experience. experience. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and, and that's part of what's turned me off of the commercial world in particular, where it's even more catch-22 to that to that uh, intensity, uh, where it's like you want to do a nail polish commercial, and they're like, oh, well, you haven't shot six nail polish commercials. Yeah. And Or you've shot six nail polish commercials, but our nail polish well, is red, well, well, and that you shot brown nail wrestling polish. Wrestling is <laughs> completely out of it. Like, Because here's all they do. They'll... Like, for example, like, they're doing something with Logan Paul right now. Mm-hmm. Cool. Like, he's super scary talented. Yeah. But it's somebody from outside of wrestling that can add to their content. Mm. But, like, here's me, someone who's a coach, but they can go through their system, but is great at coaching, and, and all the people I wind up coaching make it. Mm-hmm. But they won't bring me in because I'm not from their system. Right. But what makes me good is not being from their system. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like well, that sounds like you don't want to work with those people anyway. I don't want like yeah. that's the thing I always say. I don't want to work for them. I want to work with them. Right. right. Like if we can have it where I can do my stuff and I can help yeah. them, then let me do it. Yeah. Same way Logan Paul is still doing his stuff and helping them. Yeah. And the thing is, all he's doing is creating content. Mm-hmm. I'm creating the people that can create your content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Like, so what the, <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. It's they're, seems they're, like a good synergy, but <laughs> like, I'm just, it, it's, it, it's almost like, I feel like I don't belong, but it's not that I don't belong. They just haven't caught up yet. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they're just so, like in, we're the dream cast. Yeah. 
You know, like yeah. that's what I said about the TV show. That's what I think about us in general. Like we're so ahead, ahead of, of our time. time. Yeah, like, absolutely. And later on, everyone's gonna be remember the monster factory, that fucking place. Yeah. And then I'll be like, yeah, man, look at him. He's now he's got an Emmy, he's got Oscars, and he doesn't want to deal with you fucks anymore. Yeah. yeah. Like, um. But yeah, I mean, I think Jeremiah made a really good point that like yeah. it's, it's eternal and ongoing, and it's yeah. not like. You know, it, it's not just now. It, it's no, that lots of things have yeah. a resurgence, or but that's what you're I make needed. another thing, and people will discover that's what, it. That's what I needed. Like I, because like as soon as like it didn't happen, number one, like I was, I was not furious. I was oh, okay, but then it was furious mm-hmm. because it wasn't it wasn't furious that like um we're not getting it. Like for example, like if someone came to me is like, I'm sorry. uh X, Y, or Z passed away. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But then if they go, hey, X, Y, or Z passed, and I go, oh man, it's so terrible. And then you hear beep, 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 beep. And then someone's, and I'm like, there's a heartbeat. They go, yeah, I know, but they're going to pass. Oh, and yeah, like, right. Get you know what I mean? Up over and over yeah, again. Like, yeah, like, no, dude, like, our show wasn't done, done. Mm-hmm. Like, there was still hope there. We could still... I don't know, fight, claw, even mm-hmm. act like you're fighting and hoping, mm-hmm. you know, just hold the person's hand by the bedside when they're passing, <laughs> sure, do yeah. something. Don't I just, don't, just yeah. don't go. Yeah, man. Uh, no second season. Uh, sorry about that. And then yeah. we move on. Like, cause no, it's, and I don't want to hear like, no, it's just business. It's not personal. All business is personal. All person is business. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if I'm doing it, it's personal. Yeah. <laughs> for, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But it's I would say that's just the business. Not, yes, not that, it's yeah, business, that's the, the nature of the business. That is the nature of yes. the, the film industry and but, but, whatever it is. But like for those that can make an effort, we should make an effort. Those who can't, they can't. Right. But like I, I just didn't see that. So it was like, yeah. all right, we're moving on. And then it was, okay, I needed that. Yeah. Because I realized... I got to this point because I dealt with all the other stuff that I thought was the part where I was going to make it. Because, mm-hmm. like, in 2011 or 12, they thought we were going to do a reality show. Yeah. You know? And then I got invited to WWE, and then I got to do this, and then I got to I got hired by another company, and then I got fired. But, you know, if I didn't, I wouldn't have got this. And so, like, it all worked out. Yeah. Like, with you, with, 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 with the Barbarian and all that stuff, like, I was talking to a buddy – when were you, when you were on the set? Was there a time where you're just like, "Oh wow, this is special. This mm-hmm. is this is pretty." Like, Definitely. when 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 was that? Yeah, I mean, but special not in the way that like I knew it was going to blow up and be successful, right? That's not the kind of special though. It was more like, uh, like it just felt right. Like I, uh, when did that happen? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was like when we. It was probably when we did the uh, the when I first saw the the mother come to the set the, yeah. the monster, um, who was played by this guy named Matthew Patrick. Yeah, Davis. how was tall he's, was he? Was like he's six seven five. feet tall. Yeah. Seven so, feet. I don't know. Uh, I, I but he was up there, dude. Tall, yeah, um, but he uh, was just such an amazing person, and I would see him at breakfast and we like before set, and we just chit chat, and I'd be like, oh, nice guy, okay, and then I'd show up on set, and he four hours later he would come in the monster yeah. costume, like. <gasps> Yeah, and I'd be like, terrifying. Oh, Matt, are you still in there? He's like, yeah, it's still me. I'm like, oh, crazy. Okay, dude, <laughs> that movie was so fucking because it was so good because it was so simplistic. Yeah, it was right there. Yeah, and the way everything was presented, like even when it did, like, like the uh, flashback of the the father. Mm-hmm. 
like it felt like it was like not a real flashback like it was the found footage yeah like that's that's what i'm saying like it made me feel like this is the eight millimeter type <laughs> cool. you know what i mean yeah, yeah. like that's that's what i felt when i watched that and then like because like like i said me and my wife are horror fans like that mm-hmm. which is so great because like we didn't even realize we were like really horror fans until like much later into our relationship right but like that was like one of our like recent horror movies like where we talk about like <laughs> cool like yeah it's very impactful <laughs> when when you like finished it and got and when you saw it for the first time were you just like blown away or did you get to see edits as everything was going no i only saw it after it had been edited um yeah but we did i do the color grades so right. i usually see the it's it's picture locked at that point they might be working on sound at the same time and... but you're not getting like the full full effect like that you you get like like when you like i'm saying like when you first like did you see it first time like in a theater uh no the first time i saw the movie they said right before the color grade i usually get a link to like a screener to see the picture lock so that i can have notes on the color going into that and so i'll watch it on my computer and it usually kind of falls flat because like it's not sound designed there's no color grade and it's on my computer um, but then we go and watch it in the in the grading suite, and that's in a theater where you are. It's just me and the director yeah. and the colorist uh, sitting and sitting in the theater, and you're were you blown away in front of you. And I'm like, oh, this this movie's great. <laughs> but I I was also blown away when I watched it on my computer, and that's that was a moment that I knew I was like, oh wow, this is like an awesome movie, and and it's great. But I knew it was going to be before because Zach Craiger had an incredible vision for it. And like I working with him was so inspiring and so invigorating that like I, I knew that it was going to be good because I had so much trust in him and Do you, faith oh. in his vision. Right. But the moment that it made it special, I want to circle back to yeah, that, yeah. Uh, was, or that I knew it was special was when the monster came to set because we had spent all this time prepping. It was like in the, the build, first the build, week the of build. the shoot. And we were shooting all the other stuff in the in the sets, and you know it was kind of like, okay, this is this is working, and that's that was a relief. But um, we hadn't seen any samples of the prosthetics yet, and I know Zach was really shit in the bed about that. He was really nervous about it because the um, we we hadn't seen anything, and the whole movie hinged on the look. Yeah, of the and, and if you reveal it, and it's shit, it's shit, right? It, it, and and we're in Bulgaria, and we're you know hearing yeah. from our producers like trust these people that you've never heard of right. or that are making these awesome special effects makeup and hopefully it looks good and like but we trust them they're really yep. good trust us uh and we just hadn't seen anything so finally when the monster came and it's like oh it looks amazing and is actually terrifying in person and all we have to do is shoot it like that was such a relief right away my wife was like, like that has got to be a guy yeah, <laughs> that's guy to be a guy. She's like, because no woman is letting herself look like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Um, what, the the, um, the guy's name is escaping me. The 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 actor who winds up getting spoiler alert winds up getting killed at the uh, end. Del Skarsgård or Justin Long. Yes. What is it with him in horror movies? Like, uh, what do you mean? Like he's always getting destroyed in horror movies. Oh yeah, I don't know. He's so, just like, such a sweet guy. He seemed, right. comes across as a sweet guy, so like he has to be the victim. Like wasn't he? Did you see Tusk? I actually haven't. I should really see Tusk because he wasn't he in Tusk. Heard, yeah, he was. I've Dude, heard it's incredible. So it is incredible, it is but it's so like it's like one of those things where you watch and you just go, I can't believe I just fucking watched this. Yeah, cool. but you're like, <laughs> but I want to watch it again. Excellent. Okay, like, it. and then like yeah, it, it's one of those movies. But also, I mean, he his Justin is like the kind of perfect person to be the victim. But that's what's great about his character in Barbarian, where yeah. he he is he ends up getting killed, spoiler alert, but 
he is not the victim. Yeah. He's the he's the asshole. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like he's he's the the antagonist like of the he, whole movie. Like, yeah. And like afterwards, you're like, so, okay, good. Yeah. So we cheer, and he gets his comeuppance. You know, and I think that's what's beautiful about the script of that. Yeah. That it's so I thought it I, wrapped up in yeah. like your expectations and and subverting that and yeah. Because you're like, oh wow, he's he, he's going to get away with it. Oh no, oh no, he's not. Oh, this is great. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Um. When you like when you were working on this, mm-hmm. were you seeing the edits? Were you seeing everything as it went, or were you just? Yeah, actually, this was different because I did get to see cuts of things as we went, or especially near the, the latter half of shooting because we've shot for six months. Right. Um. The I got to see like oh here's like episode one, episode two as they were as they were kind of getting rough cuts put together, and um that was exciting because it was. Uh, fun to be involved in that process and uh and it was important because we were then doing pickups and a lot of our uh the plan was to shoot all of the verite doc stuff and then do the theatricalized dream sequences later based on the rough cuts so that we could fit shoot stuff that was actually going to make the edit yeah um especially because that would be more substantial production value and things that needed to was there anything that you wish you got that you couldn't get um, cause I would always, yeah. I would always mm. try to eavesdrop without, you know <laughs> cool. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I'd always try to wander around and I would see you guys talking about certain things and I never wanted to be like, Hey, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. But like, is there anything that you wanted mm-hmm. to get? Huh? There were some dream sequences that we talked about that I was excited to like try, but uh, I just, it didn't make sense to do them. Um, the, I, I feel like, no, I don't know. I mean, there was, I wish I, uh, oh, so earlier it took a while to like work out the lighting around yeah. the ring here. And I feel like once we kind of hit that, it was much better. And I kind of regret that like we. Because we probably had a lot of footage we didn't use because it wasn't consistent with the later stuff. No, it got used. I'm, okay. I'm bummed that it got used. Oh, okay. Okay. That we didn't get the lighting done earlier. Um, so that was, that was a little tricky. Um, but uh yeah, I don't know. It was more just like different characters and people that I wanted to spend more time with. That I, I was, it wasn't so much like shots that I wanted to get. Or personally, I was upset that my me and Homicide beating each other up wasn't used. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. Yeah, there was so much great footage that we shot that wasn't in it. So I don't think there's anything that we didn't shoot that I wanted to get. It was really just stuff that didn't make the edit. I don't like it's not going to be like a, a Danny Cage cut or a Zack Snyder cut, but there should be like a lost footage cut and sure. they should like put like four or five like I mean, there's at least another six episodes you could do, out there you could easily do a second season without shooting anything i know right a second of footage yeah the, like dude like because like i mean we were interviewing the cowies we were interviewing charlotte we had yeah. all these different people interviewing we didn't even use them yeah, yeah like we could easily yeah so i i guess like you know it's not so much a regret of right. not being able to shoot that but but there were also yeah stories and like people that i wanted to learn more about and get more invested in and like um, I, I thought uh, we interviewed Amber early on yeah. and we didn't really end up following up with her that yeah. much. And I kept kind of like seeing her around practice and stuff. And I was like, Oh, she has something, int- there's something yeah. going on that's interesting. And I, I want I to shoot more with her. Um, there were so many people yeah. also that like wouldn't open up. Yeah, like, that's true too. Yeah. It's just so difficult. Cause like, I'm like, I remember like telling, you know, Galen and, and Will and all those guys like, Hey, this person, this person, this person. And I'm like, some, they're just like, ah, it's not. And I'm like, just trust me. And then they're like, oh, yeah, okay. Yep, you're right, you're right. And then the others, you just couldn't get anything out of them. Yeah. Even though their stories are so interesting. Yeah. But like I say, like, they're just not ready, you know, 
to tell that story. Like, I didn't know how close Gabby's mom died to, like, when she joined here. Wow, I didn't, I I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like when it was, like, only, like, six months, I had no clue. Yeah. Like, I couldn't imagine, because, like, and, like, you know, she was in her, I think she was either in her teens or late tw- or early 20s when she passed away. I'm like, I couldn't imagine that, because, yeah. like, I am still fucked up about my mom passing, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, I couldn't imagine, like, be, and I wasn't close with my mom, because, like, we, we drifted apart, but, like, I couldn't imagine being that close and then coming into this world, like, man, good for her for, like, throwing that all out there. Because, like, yeah. like with Twitch and all that stuff, like, that's that's also the thing that gets me and why I want the show to be successful is because I think these kids are worth it and their oh, stories yeah. their stories should be told. Yeah. And if I'm not at least taking effort to be like, hey, their story should be told, then what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. You know what absolutely. I mean? Yeah. But it also makes you realize that like people deal with grief very differently yeah. and like every, everybody has their different outlet to, to understand that and cope with it. And I, it seems like, you know, Gabby throwing herself into wrestling was, was, that a, was coping a coping mechanism. mechanism right. Yeah. And for me, when my dad died, it was like, Oh, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep shooting and keep, you know, just press on because the work is the thing that fulfills me yeah. and I can think of him and draw on him when I need to, you know, but, that's Do you mind me bringing it up? How did he pass away? A heart attack. Yeah, I think just out of yeah, nowhere. Out of nowhere. Yeah. In sleep, sudden. he he was he was a napper. He liked to nap, so uh, he was found on his couch after. Hey, man. You know, probably taking a nap. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean that's that's uh, yeah. that's what a um, uh, wrestler just uh, re, uh, recently passed away. Uh, Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they think it was they there was reports that it was basically like complications of COVID and stuff, but like something with his heart Yeah. and they were giving him like one of those, uh, you know, defibrillators mm-hmm. to where like if he naps and stuff and he, he left it in his truck, took a nap and had a heart attack, passed yeah, away. Yeah. Yep, it's like, Oh man. Yeah. Sudden and scary. Yeah. I, how, I, how old was he? Uh, 63, I think. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, man. Sorry, yeah. Sorry to bring you down. No, no worries. I've, I've, I've actually, I've lost a lot of people in my life, uh, surprisingly, and it's, uh, I don't know. I find myself just like pressing on and and dealing with it and being like, okay, see, this with, is just the way with, to... I don't have a big family. Yeah. So like, my mom is like my, my first family member that I've gone to their funeral. Yeah. Like when my grand, my grandparents died they weren't taking me to the funeral because they just knew I wouldn't function. Because, like, my grandmom and grandpa, like, basically, like, pretty much raised me so I wouldn't even be able to function. Yeah. And, like, we're not, like, a big religious family, so, like, it was, like, whatever. But, like, going to my mom's funeral was just, like, wow. And then, like, having to deal with the people. Like, I, I, I just... We're just so backwards uh, in the world. I just... I don't know, man. I, I'm just... The grieving process and all. I don't know. Well, I think it's it's backwards because they're like expectations, but the reality is that, again, everybody yeah, has everybody's a different, different way of doing right. it, so there should just not be expectations. Yeah, it should... Like, I don't know, man. I, I just... I just... Yeah. So... The hole that's left. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's the feeling of like, oh, yeah. I just want to call them up, but yeah. I can't. Yeah. But then, like, it's almost the whole, though, like... Of as an atheist, I'm like, there's something out there, but there's nothing out there. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I have to just appreciate this time. Mm -hmm. And, like, I wish I could be somebody who believes that we'll be hanging out and (laughs) high-fiving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm more of, like, a cosmic energy type deal guy. Like, yeah, yeah, because, like, I just think, like, somehow we just don't know. Mm -hmm. I say I'm I'm an optimistic atheist. Okay. Cool. All right. (laughs) Meaning, like... Hey, like if God, like we die and and she all of a sudden, and I say she because like Uh she goes, hey, you were kind of right, but kind of wrong. I'm like, hey, man, let's fucking go. Like high five. (laughs) Come on, man. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm right. That's true. Yeah. Because like I would assume like if I was the supreme being Mm -hmm. and I'm watching over everybody and there's somebody who's making like educated decisions to like how he's not going to buy into things to be manipulated and he can't buy into the system Mm -hmm. until there's this. But like, I don't keep my eye on him. He's a smart motherfucker, <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he's entertaining. I don't keep yeah. him around as long as yeah. possible. <laughs> I'll watch this show. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, that's the way I think. Like yeah. like that's you know because I, I there's got to be something out there, and like like and I and I brought it up about like your dad and all because like I could sense something like where not that you needed to talk about something, but like I needed to ask about it mm-hmm. because like, if I don't, then number one, I'm a horrible person. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't think you're a horrible and, and, person and, if you don't ask. No, you know? but like, I, but, but like, I don't know. Like, it's just like, I always think when people glance over stuff that they don't want to have the discussion, mm-hmm. sometimes you're missing the opportunity to learn shit that would make you in the future, have that discussion more. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. maybe have something that adds to you that, you know what I mean? There's always like a community, like yeah. we're a community and I don't understand like the whole, like I always talk about, I don't understand the mentality of looking out for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It's, 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 so we a, all have stories to tell yeah. and you want to hear all yeah. the stories. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you have to find your way there and someone has to make the compass. Yeah. And we, we should all just look out for each other. Yeah. Before you head out of here. Mm-hmm. You say you weren't a pro wrestler when you were uh, a pro wrestling fan when you were younger. Mm-hmm. If you had to name five pro wrestlers right now that aren't from the Monster Factory, <laughs> could you do it? Probably not. Just give me a uh, give it a shot. Okay. Well, you mentioned uh, The Rock and Hulk Hogan. That's okay. Two. Um, oh God. There. There's a. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to throw you. A I'm also bad with names. Okay. So there's cool. That. Well, I'm good. Um, uh, the Blue Meanie. Okay. <laughs> only, also known <laughs> only because of being here. Yeah. Um, uh, hmm. Nope, I don't. Okay, I could, well, you I know why this it. is awesome? This is why this is fucking <laughs> awesome. Because it just goes to show, because, like, there's so many people, like, in the wrestling mm-hmm. world, if you were coming on to film wrestling... Mm-hmm. Or to do anything wrestling-wise, they'd want to know what you know about wrestling. Hmm. And they would be like, oh, you don't know, so you can't do this right. Okay, yeah. That's why I wanted to kind of – because I knew you weren't a wrestling guy. (laughs) So I wanted you to be out there and kind of like drowning Mm -hmm. when in reality you don't need to because like what you did for our show be better than what like (laughs) a a million people have done for wrestling. Honestly, like it was – brilliant looking it was dynamic now did you take anything from what they did in the first one and kind of co-opt it for this one yeah absolutely yeah the the sizzle reel was a big reference there was some really great stuff i think the dps were zach mulligan and um hillary i can't remember her last name yeah i don't know either i'm Um, terrible with names too 
But uh, the stuff that the two of them shot, and I think there was one other DP. But what about um, the Vimeo, the original? Stuff. Did you do anything, take anything from that? I even you ne- saw the short film, to be honest. Oh, you I didn't? Oh, that one's really one. good. Okay, cool. I should and it, it. No, because that's the only reason <laughs> I say late. it is because it has a similar feel. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, And it even has a similar feel with, did you watch the movie Hustle? Uh, yes, I did see okay. Hustle, yeah. I'll send you two clips because you're a nerd like me, so you'll probably appreciate oh, yeah. this. And when I say nerd, I say it lovingly. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm a, a nerd. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a nerd. I got oh, yeah. a comic book hat on and, and street fighter. <laughs> <It is>. <laughs> um, but in it, I saw a point where the sequence in the Vimeo short mm-hmm. and the sequence in Hustle are almost identical. Oh, that's fun. Okay. And like yeah. where it looks like somebody borrowed off of each probably, other or, yeah. or just didn't even and it's just like th- those great ideas are just out there yeah i think you absorb it and i think you know for me again it's about the director and like really i was inspired by galen and and the ideas that he brought to the table and he was referencing the sizzle reel a lot but he also referenced movies like the wrestler and right. uh there was um yeah, i'm gonna blank on all the things that we referenced but uh there were, what was the uh, there was the Freddie Mercury movie that had just come out? Oh yeah, Bohemian uh, Rhapsody. Yeah, so like I haven't seen the movie, but we looked at some images of that because there's a lot of like showmanship mm-hmm. in that. Um, and I think the general visual conceit for the whole show was larger than life. Let's make everybody look larger than life the whole time, on and off, in and out of the ring. Yep. Um, and I think just running with that concept was was the fun of it. My my favorite part, honestly, like I loved the closing credits. The, the montage the with you following everybody around and they're doing the fucking song with the Monster Factory song oh, with yeah, the auto tuning. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you did the role where you're rolling in the you know oh, you're, yeah, you're doing fun, the yeah. camera turn when Bobby's rolling and stuff. Yeah. That's like my favorite. Yeah, that you was know? a blast. And and then plus of course it gets dedicated to my mom, which fucking ruled. That was so awesome when Jeremiah called me and all oh, that. Yeah. And and then Apple sent me like this care package for it and all. Tracy literally just goes. Dan, we're not this fucking fancy because like it was literally like these oh. nice cheeses and and like gourmet yeah. shit and like Tracy's like we're not this fancy. Like, I bet it was really good cheese though. Yeah, but like we, <laughs> nobody ate it because nobody's that fancy in our fucking okay. house. <laughs> All right, so last thing. Yeah. We did the wrestlers. You mm-hmm. couldn't name any, mm-hmm. which is perfect. But I want to actually add something to that before yeah. we move on from that. I think your point about people uh, in the wrestling community saying that, like, you need to know something about wrestling in order to have a, right. a perspective on it. I, I think it's important as creatives to recognize that the opposite is true and that more often than not, like, somebody bringing an outside perspective to something yes. can shed new light on it, right? Yes. But the people in with the business mindset – do not realize that Mm -hmm. and they can't realize that because the safest choice is the people who have the experience and have Mm -hmm. done exactly the thing a million times already. So it's, it just shows how myopic uh, studios are and the sort of business end of the film industry. And I'm sure the business end of the wrestling industry, um, but how important it is as creatives to remember that like we need to give everybody the opportunity, even if they're outside of the world, because they will bring something cool and new to the table. I was so perfect because I was just thinking of this. Um, I was thinking about like how people will write movies and stuff. And when they're writing a movie, they might be writing it for a particular actor mm-hmm. in, in, in mind yeah. when they're writing it and it helps them to write it and stuff. And like in wrestling, sometimes they have writers that don't even know the wrestlers and they're just writing. Mm. 
Like, I don't know how you could do that. Like, yeah. I am so good at telling stories with all these kids because yeah. I know all 40 and 50 of these right, kids because right. I deal with them every day. Yeah. So I know their capabilities. I know their limitations. I know their strengths. I can hide them. I can strengthen them. I can do all that. Yeah. But in pro wrestling, like for WWE and all, they have writers that don't do any of that. They just wow. write stories. Interesting. So it's not going to be... Yeah. constructive yeah you're yeah. going to get what you get you're going to have the hits and the misses yeah you're not going to have everybody hitting on you know right i just think you want as many things as possible to be able to capture lightning and all that shit absolutely you know what i mean all right man so fuck it dude this was fucking fun yeah, how long awesome. did we talk for i have no idea <laughs> yeah how long is it hour and a half oh hour wow half. almost on the dot perfect all right get it's the fuck you. out of here go have fun great talking with you go phillies um we're gonna <laughs> yeah, do go this phillies again. awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh it's tuesday so either they're gonna grease the polls after tonight or uh because this is gonna drop tomorrow wednesday so yeah. hopefully this is uh you know, we're dancing on our own. We're getting ready to beat the shit out of the, the Rangers. If not, uh, it was Zach's fault and he jinxed us. Yep. Sorry. All right. Love you, brother. <laughs> Love Thank you, too. you so much, man. <laughs> Peace. All right, everybody. That was episode two of It's the Journey with Danny Cage. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. I uh, hope you guys are looking forward to Project Monster Factory. Uh, I'm just, you know, I, I, I let the cat out of the bag. It was just something I was uh, thinking of and... Uh, yeah, hopefully we can get the ball rolling and there'll be people on board. Uh, we got a couple cool guests coming up. Got Anthony Gargano, uh, radio host, author, just all around awesome guy. He was also in uh, Monster Factory. And then we also have Mike Machiavello, uh, NC State uh, wrestler, our former NC State wrestler, uh, now uh, just an all around badass. Uh, trying to work his ass off now to get in the Olympics. Also a big pro wrestling guy, and that's how the serendipity of that is because uh, he's boys with Jordan Burroughs. Jordan Burroughs rolls around at the Monster Factory sometime, at the Paulsboro Wrestling Club, and uh, he had a WWE tryout, and Hurricane Helms and all of us are connected through that, and uh, that's how we got to be boys, and uh, I'm going to hopefully help the kid out and he gets a good career in pro wrestling. And, uh, hey, if you guys have any guests or suggestions or you'd like to be on, uh, drop me a text or, or just call me. And this is my phone number. It's not a robot. It's 609-471-7904. Thank you. Thank you.